Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast listeners out there, where we're always talking everything college hoops all the time and a few other items as well. As you know, thanks to Blog Talk Radio for getting us powered up and powered down. Thank you to Bell Jar for taking us in and out with their intro music. Please give them a little follow or a little listen on iTunes. Pull them up. Bell Jar is where it's at. Thank you for tuning in, carving out some time. You could have been anywhere else on the dial, but you chose to be here with us, Mike and Gus. We appreciate that. And uh, as one of my childhood uh, uh, tapes, I'm going to say, would say it's been a long time. That's where Kim would say. Glad everybody's tuned in. Hope everybody's all caught up. NBA draft lists are out of control. We got 100-something people ready for the draft. Holy smokes, we'll get to that a little bit later. But what we really need to talk about right now is on the college, uh, the Screen to Screen College Basketball Podcast is we need to talk about the, uh, you know, college basketball commission proposing their major changes and what their report brought up. They had a 60-page report. After uh, six months of studying and meeting and, and getting together and, and, and finding common ground on a couple of things. So I'm just going to give you a couple quick hitters. I'm sure you've read a couple of things if you're a college basketball a vagabond, like uh, hopefully most of our listeners are. Um, we're just going to run you through a couple of things. I'll give you my opinion on them. And then we'll get you guys out of here. Sound all right? Deal. Let's do this. So one of the things that the commission uh, on college basketball proposed is significant increases uh, for penalties for uh, breaking up rules. Pretty serious. Uh, I like this. They increased the, the, the bans. They increased it from a one-year ban to a, a five-year ban for postseason ban. Um, that's pretty sizable. If you just go back and think of that Louisville team that played really well and would have been an NCAA team and then had to serve that one-season post-year ban, I mean, that would cripple, absolutely cripple a program because that's five years of not getting to the NCAA tournament or the NIT or the CBA uh, or, or the CIT. I'm sorry. And that is any player going there for those five years, no chance. So that totally cripples a program. So that make them think twice about breaking a rule. I'm totally down with that. I like the increased significant penalties. Uh, also on the uh, coaching size, show cause, more than one season, and also includes a possible lifetime ban. I mean, I think that's also in, in, impactful and important. Um, I think if these rules are in place, I think that would make everybody think twice and maybe look a little closer at who they're going to hire, the communications that the staff would have of who that coach would hire and who that AD would hire and who that president would hire of that college or that university. So I think it would have a trickle-down effect um, all the way from the most powerful person, even the, you know, the, the president of the college or the university, down to the AD, down to the head coach, and then into the coaching staff. I, I think these, if these penalties were in place, or at least some sort of, I don't know, facsimile of these penalties, I think people would really think twice about getting caught with their hand in the cookie jar for trying to get a player in, or whatever other rule they're trying to break. Uh, how about the second thing I'll hit on is the overall uh, overhaul of the Summer League, uh, so-called AAU uh, situation. Look, this is going to be tricky. Uh, the commission, I don't think, really knows how much power and wheeling and dealing and, and, and rule-breaking really happens here. Um, the FBI probe will continue to spit out info that sullies the sport, and I think all of it's going to originate. Uh, from the you know summer league slash off season AAU ish uh, situation, 
Um, and money does that. That's what money does. Money compromises decision-making and money asks people to weigh, is this risk worth the reward? And uh, as past practice has shown in our sport, the risk is worth the reward because the risk has been taken a number of different times by a number of different programs, by a number of different people. Um, so I don't know how this might happen, but uh, one thing that uh, uh, Condoleezza Rice said, who was kind of the figurehead for the commission, said, uh, the commission today calls on an uh, apparel companies to be significant, significantly increase their transparency and their accountability efforts regarding this topic. Look, when you have literally hundreds of millions of dollars invested in a program, I think it's gonna be really hard to keep track of all those checks and balances. Um, one of the things that we can pay attention to here that might be part of the solution is Kentucky coach, uh, coach Calipari called for uh, like a year round like college hoop situation in some fashion. Now tying like these high school summer programs to uh, summer events, like these really wealthy summer events to that model might solve some of the problems. But I think we all come back to the same thing. Like because there is this off season, like people think that they're like under the radar. So maybe Coach Calipari's call for having a year round, like, I don't know, I guess rule following or a watchdog situation for his own sport in college hoops, maybe that would get rid of some of the rogue runners that are trying to infiltrate our sport in college basketball. So that's topic number two. Let's hit up topic number three, and that's the end of the one and done rule. Uh, I don't really know if this is such a big problem. How about that? This allows like college hoops to have evaporating star power. Uh, think of Trey Young. Like, will he end up staying in college hoops? That's kind of the question that we had like very early on. If we're going to look at uh, the college basketball calendar this past season, like I think once he started blowing up and, and putting up ridiculous numbers on, on a ridiculous efficiency, I think we started asking the question, hey, will he stay? And then you have the, the Mar Bagley situation. Like, how far can he and his team go in March? Like, you wanted that question answered. Will he be healthy enough to impact that? And then take, let's take Colin Sexton. Uh, will they even make it to March? Will that, like, urgency of the Alabama season, like, exist if we know that, like, this is Alabama's chance to get back on the map and make the tournament after, uh, you know, years of uh, being under the radar? So I think that evaporating star power creates three different items. Like, uh, you know, if somebody blows up, will they stay? Will they go? Uh, number two, how far will that particular team go in March? And can they win a title? And then, you know, will that create some, some end of the season, regular season urgency for that team and that particular player that might be pegged as a one and done player uh, and create like some sort of positive buzz around the program and the team and the coach uh, during February and March and into the, you know, conference tournament season. So I think, I don't know if that's a terrible problem. And we have to wait until 2020. That's the next time the uh, 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 NBPA uh, can revisit this due to collective bargaining. Um, and I'm not sure if this is going to be important to them either. But I think if this is a topic on the table when they start renegotiating the next contract, I think this will show how much power this commission has. And I think we'll wait until that moment when uh, the renegotiating starts with the NBA and the NBA PAs uh, decides to have that as like a talking point in their negotiations. So 
I, I, I don't know if that's really big. I don't know if it's really a big problem for our sport. I think it creates positive vibes and, and positive talking points. And I think Coach Cat, Coach Calipari pops up again here. He's already talked with the, you know, the National Basketball Players Association and, and said, like, hey, I don't know if the one-and-done rule is, is, is the model to go with. And so he's gotten in their ear. And, and nobody's benefited more or been more of a proponent for recruiting these types of players than Coach Calipari at Kentucky. So I think he has, like, his – I think he's trying to help his own sport, and he has the greater good – like on his mind and isn't being selfish about this. I think he's being selfless about this. Um, so I, I'm, I'm intrigued by those two Coach Calipari stances, to be honest. Um, how about number four? This I'm going to call borderline brilliant. How about we allow undrafted underclassmen to return to school? Now, this ties into the number five point that we'll get to, but I think this is a positive change, and I think this will take away any animosity any questioning, any like, throw your hands up. I can't believe all these people are declaring for the draft. Like, who cares? Like, why are we denying any of these college athletes their current market value? And why are we denying them information to figure out what their current market value is on the free market? That seems silly. So I, I think that do these players want to take, let's say they don't get drafted. Let's say we go through all 60 picks in the NBA draft and there are a large group of, of college uh people that left early and declared early, whether they signed with an agent or not, okay? Let's just let's just take that out of the equation because we'll get to that in, in talking point number five. Do they take camp money as a free agent? Do they go overseas or do they come back? I think those are the three decisions. And I think those are three logical decisions. I think those that should be on the table. Let's put a window in after the, play, uh, uh, after the NBA draft for players to choose. Small window, week, 10 days, something of that nature. Coaches with open scholarships will never get this high level of a player during this particular recruitment period. They would be thrilled to get an NBA-ish player returning to their squad and not have to like scour the transfer market or find some sort of juco. So coaches that are going to complain about this, they would love if a player like this returned. I think it'd be incredible. This is superior. And it will be acceptable um, because number five is the commission brought up that agents should be allowed. And let me just go back to the, you know, um, do the players take camp money as a free agent and then, you know, play the um, G League game? Do they go overseas or do they come back? Let's just say that 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 student athlete decides to come back and re-enroll in their university. Guess what they get to do? You ready? They get to fly charter if they're, you know a big time program. Dorms are sweet. Being a college student is fun. I think everybody listening to this podcast is going to like recall like a really cool college situation that they had as a, as a, as a student and like, oh man, that was one of the best times of my life. So guess what? They get to go back to that. And guess what? You get to get a degree and work towards your degree. What if you're, what if you're a sophomore or a junior and you don't get drafted and you come back? Guess what? You can bust your hump and get your degree. You can graduate in three years like Jalen Brunson. It could happen. You have to take some summer classes, maybe take that winter class, maybe load up one semester for an extra class. It could happen, though. So getting that degree is then worth $1 million to whoever gets a degree. Nope. Coll take, the college, uh, take the college student athlete out of the equation. Just say, like, college student. If you get your degree, that gives you an earning potential, like, just on the open market on whatever 
job you decide to take, that that gives you the option of like, hey, it's now possible for me to earn a million dollars in my lifetime because I own this degree. That just makes sense to me. So just to go back to that, like they can choose to take the camp money and work as a free agent and then play the G League game up and down, two-way contract, so on and so on. They can go overseas, earn a nice living overseas, uh, you know, maybe make, uh, you know, right now, uh, Nigel Williams-Goss, Gonzaga uh, point guard from the, their championship game team, um, is overseas, is earning over $100,000 a year playing professionally. It's a good gig. That's not bad. Um, or they could come back and they could get the information, take the information, work on their game, and then live the college life and work towards their degree. This should totally be an option. It should totally be on the table. I really like this idea. This might be the best thing that's in the commission's report. Now, let's get to number five. Let's get to the agents should be allowed. I like this too. Right now, everybody has their hands up in the air. Do you believe all these people? Do you believe all these student athletes? They declare for the draft. I can't believe there's as many people on the list. Guess what? If agents are allowed, then the information lane widens. And you get to gather that information a little bit quicker a little bit more efficiently, and then you can make a decision on whether you're staying or going. Also, we'll get a little bit more into the agent thing a little bit later. This can create an entirely new type of job. Like, uh, we'll call it quote unquote amateur agents or something like that. And think of it, like agent companies would create all entire new departments just for this potential that exists here. And then this would also help get rid of like the runners who break the NSA rules and are arrested by the FBI and solely a program or, or a coaching staff or something of that nature. Um, I think that if this is acceptable, then this will definitely help with the players should be able to return. Does that kind of make sense to everybody? I, I, I kind of like where that's at. Now, let's get to the part um, that they left out. They left out payment for players. They wanted to keep the college in college hoops. Okay, I'm cool with that. But there's a couple other things we need to, to discuss here. If the report and the commission are on board with agents, then guess what? That's an unseen part of the solution. In theory, just saying in theory, This is, I, don't, I don't know if they address this entirely. I'm sure this is part of the discussion, but guess what? Agents can broker deals with possible outside sponsors for certain student athletes to obtain payment in areas independent from the desired college basketball model that still holds on to some elements of amateurism, okay? So they get to have like their piece of college basketball. So i.e., the universities, the colleges, the NCAA as a whole are not directly paying the student athlete, thus not becoming employees to the educational institution they are enrolled in and thus staying away from like union issues. Uh, do we pay benefits to these guys? Do we pay attention to pay scales? Um, and then do we run into Title IX issues? So. Student athletes, just like Katie Ledecky from Stanford, we mentioned her on previous podcasts. If you want to go catch up with Pete Thamel's uh, article from Yahoo Sports, I suggest you do so. He called out the NCAA, not for college basketball, not for college football, not for any, but he called out called them out for Katie Ledecky. Katie Ledecky is a gold medal winning swimmer. She is a, a world record holder. Um, she is one of the most decorated uh, athletes that is alive and competing today. Uh, guess what? If agents are allowed, guess what her agent could do? Could broker deals with Speedo, could broker deals with TYR and not break any current NCA rules or commit violations and still remain a star in the sport that she competes in. This makes sense. This makes lots of sense. This could easily 
transform into relationships with Nike, Adidas, and Under Armour for allowing those companies to legally pay players while they play college hoops. And those companies continuing those relationships with those players instead of it being under the table. Think, like, even if they want to keep the amateurism model, the payment could be in, in the form of some sort of quote-unquote trust fund. The trust fund is probably only going to be like 12 months, okay? And here's when it can mature. You ready? Upon college graduation or signing your first professional contract, whatever comes first. How's that? Does that sound okay to everybody? I think that makes perfect sense. That way, Katie Ledecky and every other college basketball star like uh, Bagley, like Trey Young, like DeAndre Ayton, like Brian Bowen, could get that $100,000. It could sit in an account, and as soon as they go pro after one year, guess what happens? That thing matures, and they pocket all that money. Could they take a loan out on that money? I don't see why not. And I don't see why that wouldn't be legal and not breaking any FBI rules or NCA rules and anybody getting arrested or anybody be, being part of a report. That sounds okay to me. Also, the NCA and the universities and the colleges stay out of playing the, pl playing the payer business. Once agents are allowed, I think this kind of makes sense. Here's a couple more things to think about. You ready? Uh, what's the ball effect here? You know he's going to jump in with something like this. You know he's going to have something else lined up. Is he going to have like a non-drafted league ready to roll that's like, you know, G League-ish if you don't get drafted and you can have a, a choice of like trying to make it in the G League, going back to school, or maybe go to the big baller brand league? I'm sure he'll have some input here. How about the G League with a higher starting salary plus camp money plus 10-day contracts? plus two-way contracts that they could sign anytime when they're in the G League. Is this going to be a factor? Is that enough money to make an impact on a decision? I think that might add up to something that would make people think twice about it. So I think the G League is now in play here too, and a viable option. And I think that needs to be part of the equation for the commission's uh, decision-making on agents and allowing people to come back after they don't get drafted. And how about the Darius uh, Baisley situation? Is he blazing a path here, the former Syracuse recruit? Is he kind of setting a new trend? I think that's worth paying attention to as well. Here's what I hope. I hope that Mark Emmert and the NCAA will somehow not mess with the good that's presented in this commission and this report and not lean on some of their old, like, tired and true and, and just worn out actions. I just hope they stay out of the way. I hope they stay out of the way and try to go for the greater good. All right, so listeners, there's your rundown. The commission report helped. I don't think it hurt. We see significant increases in penalties for programs and coaches that break rules. Makes sense. Don't just take banners down. Take money away and take opportunity to get money away by banning for more than, uh, banning for more than one year. That makes sense. Hit them in the wallet. Number two. How about an overhaul of the summer leagues? We mentioned Coach Calipari's uh, call for year-round hoops. Maybe tying some of these in would make sense. Um, I think this is something that I don't know if the commission knows how much money and power is wielded here. So I think this is something that they're going to dive deeper into later. How about the end of the one and done? Again, this is an NBA issue. Um, once, this, once their contract is up for renegotiation in 2010, I think this is well worth revisiting. But again, I don't think this is really a big problem. 
I mean, people talk going to the baseball model or just letting people go straight from high school. I'm good with that, too. Like, if people think that – if players think that they can play in the league, a la Kobe, a la KG, um, a la LeBron, um, that, let, let them go. That's fine. I'm totally cool with that. Like, Amari Stottlemyre, great. Um, they should be able to go earn what they can earn on the free market um, and start their pay clock one year sooner. Um, but if the one and done stays in place, then I'm also okay with that. Uh, how about allowing under, uh, undrafted underclassmen to return to school? I think this is the most brilliant part of the commission's report. I think that that can lead to a three-way choice. That could lead to um, uh, players deciding to go to go to a camp, make some camp money, and then work as a free agent. Uh, or they could just take their talents overseas. Or they could come back and live the sweet college life and work towards their degree. That makes great sense. And then this would also be coupled with agents should be allowed. I think this makes sense. We brought up um, not even any particular player, but Katie Ledecky from Stanford as the perfect example here. And I think that I think that there's a lot of positives to be taken from the report. Uh, let us know what you think. Let us know what you think on Twitter. Uh, hit the podcast up at SDS Podcast. Of efficiency of keystrokes, of course. Um, please don't forget to give Mike a follow. He is a, a knee deep in college. Uh, I'm sorry, fantasy football. Uh, activity and he's uh, monitoring the uh, NFL draft. Uh, I hope you guys, uh, if you're NFL people, you know you get together with a couple of your buddies and see who your team likes and who your team doesn't like, and, and you pay attention to the picks. But give him a follow at Randall Rant. Uh, if you're looking for screen the screener on the whole, please hit up Mike's site RandallRant.com. And we got a cool thing working for you here. We got some NBA draft reviews up on our YouTube channel. Mike and I are, are, are playing around with this. We're having a lot of fun with it. Uh, we feel like we're, we're getting in and, and, and getting pretty good at it. Uh, so please uh, hit up YouTube, type in Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast or just Screen the Screener Podcast. Uh, that'll bring us to, your uh, to our channel. Uh, hit subscribe. Watch a couple of the reviews we have up. We got, uh, I'm trying to think who we have. We have uh, Shake Milton up. We got um, DeAnthony Melton up. Uh, I believe we have Troy Brown up. Um, I think we got Kevin Knox like in the works. Uh, I'm pretty sure that we have Chandler Hutchinson up, who made a great decision to come back for his senior year to work on his game and, and turn himself into a first-round pick. So we really encourage you to go there. Check that stuff out. We got, we got some cool stats in the short videos. It's a short watch. Each one's like two or three minutes. So please go ahead and do that. And we just want to say a, a final thank you to Chris Murray uh, from the Reno Gazette Journal uh, for talking to us last week. And uh, we hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. Uh, Chris really brought a lot to the table there as far as uh, uh, Nevada basketball goes. And you know that Mike and I are, uh, you know, if nothing else, Nevada fans. And it was cool getting his insight. So thank you. And we just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you, listeners. I can't even believe that this many people are tuned into the podcast this past season or continuing to tune in during the off season. It's really cool. Uh, so thank you guys. Salancha, gratulatia, arigato.